Welcome to Imagine This Podcast. A conversation show where we talk to Milwaukee's arts, cultural, and creative leaders to highlight all the incredible transformative work in our region. We hope that after listening to the pod, you will see our region and all the awesome artists, arts organizations, and creative assets in Milwaukee in a new way. I'm David Lee. I'm MacArthur Antigua. And I'm Lindsay Sheridan. Hey, we're all here. Hail, hail. The game I'm back. Welcome back, Lindsay, from the East Coast. That's right. East Coast I... swing, as uh, another bad creation yes, yes, once said right. 20 years ago. Uh, Lindsay, give us quick quick, quick highlights. Quick highlights of, of your New York, Boston jaunt. Jumping. Yeah. Um, well, I visited some friends. It felt good to visit. You know, it still feels amazing and, and unique to be able to get on a plane uh, after being grounded for so long. And to go see some friends who live in New York and Boston and um, be a bit of a tourist. So spent some time exploring Brooklyn, spent some time exploring the surrounds of Boston, um, including Concord, uh, where I learned more about transcendentalists and Mm -hmm. Salem, where I learned not as much as I thought I was going to about witches, but did did, uh, instead get to check out uh, the more artsy side of Salem. There's an incredible, uh, kind of like our Black Cat Alley uh, concept, like a, a mural network in some uh, alleys mm. behind apartment buildings. And so got to kind of see uh, see what other cities are up to. So that felt good. They yeah. didn't have like witch propaganda in Salem, just like the moment you you drive in, like, hey, this is where the witch stuff happened. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so they lean, you into, can't, it. You they can't, lean into it. You can't go a block without like, walking through a, a like a graveyard that has right. you know folks from that era or seeing a store that has like crystals and uh like you know bird talons and that kind of thing to make potions like it's very omnipresent mm. um and i was surprised to find that there's there, there was this other side of salem that's just like normal people and <laughs> artists making murals some that had a little bit of a little bit of a you know magical magical edge and some that that did not but um i have this picture i'm gonna try and find it (laughs) one of the one of the murals you know spoke to me and so of course i had to have a photo with it or in it where i was in it where it said here for the imaginable so i you know that's kind of an interesting like mat space of magic creates a space of imagination the imaginable so yeah welcome back and uh as i you know i sort of wonder like as you come back you have you get some new eyes right fresh eyes as you come back to milwaukee a little bit right kind of and uh is there anything that you're looking at milwaukee now that you had a little time away or or something about milwaukee you you appreciate a little bit more or or notice a little bit different you know actually maybe more so than that like i i spent the time on the road just still working we have a lot going on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so one it wasn't a vacation. It was a work wasn't vacation. a vacation, it was but a vacation. she had weekends. Weekends. Look at you, David, offering the weekends. That's a, what a, what a great boss. I'm, I'm, I'm very magnanimous. Off. I know. You get the weekends I off. I know. No, but I but I will labor say movement that. really did did its work on me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a good thing Lindsay doesn't get her hands caught in the spindles as she's uh, making me. This is a cry for thing. help. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it felt it felt great in and of itself to be like on the road elsewhere but thinking about milwaukee like i was on a bus riding through the bronx like on a call listening to uh all of our all of our people involved in our four and four day video talking about a shoot that was coming up and it just you know it felt it felt special to to be be connected to what we have going on while still while being elsewhere you know i'll say that yeah that's great. And uh, we'll actually talk a little bit more on the banter about the 414 day. We did, first of all, uh, welcome to Imagine This Podcast. <laughs> Second of all, uh, we're going to have Molly Hassler after the break, who is an artist that was just recognized as the Mary Knoll Fund Emerging Artist for 2022. So they will be on to uh, talk about their work as well as what's it like to be an artist now mm-hmm. in Milwaukee and, and that. So that's after the break. But we also didn't mention what's the season four. What's our season four this week? Because it's that's the game we're going to keep playing. What's our season four? Mm. And then we'll, we'll pivot quickly to four one four. We'll pivot quickly to four one four day. 
season four. I'm going to give it to Lindsay since David and I have been hogged it for the last couple of weeks. So Lindsay, we're looking forward to your next generation musings as opposed to our old. Okay. All right. I've got something. I've got something not to be a basic white person, but. um, It's all right. Naming is half the. (laughs) Season four, season four of the office, season four of the office. Can we we do that? Solid, solid. Here's why. And here's why. All right. Uh, I'm reminding myself now that season four is when they um, rebrand a little bit. D- Dunder Mifflin mm. gets bought. Not that I'm implying that we're getting bought by anyone, but like <laughs> they they rebrand as Dunder Mifflin Infinity and uh, <laughs> come into the digital age. They have a website finally, which is fun to imagine, right? Not that long ago the show was out, but at the time it was like, oh, a website. Big deal. It's a big deal. For your sales business. Um, so... I like to think we're capturing a similar energy of slight re- slight rejuvenation. Yeah, like it. Speaking of rejuvenation, it was 414 Day last week. David and I yeah, it previewed it. We previewed it last mm-hmm. week. And then it happened mm-hmm. uh, as you're listening to this podcast. And so uh, quick takes on what it meant to share uh, the 414 Day video mm-hmm. and Dasha's poem, which is uh, Light the Fire. Is that is that the... Firelight. 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 <laughs> yes. I'm thinking of the Ellie Goulding song, I think, Fire. Anyway, so uh and 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 sort of the commensurate sharings that happened as a result of it. So just a quick reflection on the experience of 414 Day. It is, you know, the the probably the, the the favorite thing that we do for me uh and, and i know we, we sort of backed into it our in our first year where our uh first video uh life in motion with dasha kelly hamilton and uh sam Ragani was supposed to be sort of a, a celebratory uh thing to sort of launch our organization and, and and to welcome the the convention to town and then sort of became this almost uh kind of a rallying cry for our community and celebration of our community and last year was sort of like this again this kind of like into the into the clearing this year really i was really struck at how almost like um hopeful and and terminal it was right like it felt like we had sort of drawn an era to a close in these last three videos and like you know hopefully God, hopefully, uh, in the last three videos, they, they do do cap sort of a, a three year span of, of a unique and strange period of time. Um, so really incredible video, great, great poem, incredible visuals. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm also just struck by how much people uh, respond to it. Um, and, and um, just seeing all of the the um, the feedback come in yesterday was such a was was so heartwarming and 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 it really just I can't say enough about how much um, Dasha, Samer, Lindsay, Elizabeth, you all, them all, uh, sort of their contributions to this to this sort of showcase piece that we have every year. Um, how just how beautiful it all was. Mac, what did you? I feel too close to it. <laughs> no. Mac, what do you think? I I think the what what my experience with four one four exactly in the sense that David like for here to imagine it is a big deal like we've talked about it, um, and even though I wasn't intimately involved in the project like knowing it was sort of in the background of imagine right it, 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 in a corner of imagine <laughs> folks were putting it together, and uh, it was I had this just sort of confidence that was going to be even better and was assured and affirmed upon seeing it. Even the draft was really awesome. And then finally get to see it unfold that morning. Um, and I think what strikes me is both, there are some of the usual suspects, right? That in our loop that like, oh, I'm looking forward to it again. And then sharing it out. And there's some people who are like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like it just sort of, it's just a reminder, like it's small walkie, but not really. Like for some folks, it was just a novel idea to see this and they were taken away by it. And so I think it's just yet another reminder of just sort of, at least I, I feel like I occupy two worlds, like this insider, like we're trying to move these things forward. And sometimes I almost mm-hmm. wonder if like, is this cliche? Like we've done this so many times. And then for enough people out there, they've never seen something like this or, or it invites their imagination of a reminder of like, yeah, this place is pretty cool. How neat. 
And, and I appreciate this reminder and this opportunity to just breathe and do it. Yeah. I love that someone I don't even know was on Twitter and like shared it out and just said, watch it once and then watch it with your eyes closed just to hear the words again. You know, and just like that's I, I think I shared on the team chat. I love randos who get it because <laughs> it's just like, I don't know this cat. Like, I don't know who this dude is or, you know, that shared it. Um, just my Twitter. He needs to subscribe to the podcast. That guy. Right. We are like, you know his Twitter background is just, he's a Milwaukee person that's involved in data research. So like, you know, only has like not a lot of followers. So, you know, just yeah. Joe average, just, guy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just a dude. But uh, I just love seeing that because it's not somebody we know, right. It's not yeah. somebody who's intimately like yeah, rooting for us or rooting for the thing. It just struck them as like, yeah, I appreciated this opportunity to celebrate. Yeah. You know, I mean, so much, so I was reflecting on so much of what we do, Obviously, this is a podcast. Hopefully, external folks are listening that are not necessarily <laughs> our closest friends. But hi, mom. Hi, hi mom. Eric. Hi. Dan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> but uh, you know, so so much of what we do can feel a little bit like insider baseball. You know, we're in service to the sector. We're bringing together the sector, continually building our case for how arts and culture can be understood to be essential and in conversation with uh, like longstanding problems in our community and, and in, uh, and in a variety of spaces that are not just the traditional arts and culture organizations. And we don't always have an opportunity at this scale that we do on four and four day to think about how we're speaking to the average Milwaukeean, you know, um, we build this thing wanting to every year, wanting it to be a true reflection of uh, where our city is and moreover where Imagine is, like where are, where we are and how we're talking about our vision for the city. And so it feels like uh, it feels energizing to see, like you said, these people we don't know on social engage with it, have it come across their feeds, having it resonate with them and have that affirmation that like, we're not, a, we're not alone in saying what we're saying about our vision for the future. And, but it is, it is resonating with a, with a variety of people. So there's something to it, you know? Um, and that feels really gratifying. And, and I think in some ways too, we have um, it, it as, as the sort of like core showpiece for, for our year, so to speak, right? Like it, to, to kind of like isolate, not isolate, but to really sort of focus on the arts, culture and and creative aspect of our city, essentially saying, hey, guys, like this is what makes our city incredible um, are the things that we do together, right? The things that we create, the things that we can imagine together um, on the day of our, you know, on 414 Day, on Milwaukee Day, I think is is part of that that narrative building that that, that we that we were essentially charged with uh, from the from the mm -hmm. folks who, who built us. Right. And. And I think like it's one of those things that I, I always I'm always reminded of, of like how we landed on this right is just like the serendipity of it all that we were doing this other thing, and we were shooting in the beginning of the year of 2020, and we were collecting all this great footage, and then the pandemic hit, and we were like, well, what are we going to do with this video? And I think we were all like, hey, well, four and four days coming up, why don't we just do it then? And and it was sort of just like everybody sort of just got it right at that moment. And then now it's sort of become this thing. And, and, and what an incredible opportunity to have like captured video of the Bucks championship, our state's governor, our county executive, our mayor, um, and, and other, you know, community and everyday people who make our city and region the, 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 yeah. the place that it is. It's just incredible. Yeah. I, and I think um, I think it's a reminder that even though you know David, you're 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 uh, sort of known to say we're imagine as a as an arts and culture and creativity organization that doesn't create plays or doesn't do exhibitions, like we don't necessarily specific craft art and culture, but at the same time, I do think there is an art. There's sort of like a civic art that yeah. we're we're charged yeah. to do, right? And this is part of that imagination right this sort of invitation to imagine again and again it's not it's not a document you know it's something that's visual and it's audio and it's in the sounds and hopefully it's visceral for people the feeling that it evokes um was a 
the love letter, I like that love letter to the city and, and to its culture workers and creators and artists. And those that's, you know, get to enjoy that. So I agree with you. Like that's one of the cool parts of the gig is having an opportunity to think like that. And the wondering is like, what if, what if all of our, you know, all of the places that aren't artists got to think that way, <laughs> you know, are invited to go, yeah. you're invited to think that way. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it's in everybody to do it. It's there. But, um, and so that's the hope, man, if imagine can do it, anybody can, I think that's the, that's the walk talk. It's a great transition. Cause we're going to hear more from Molly about how to be, how to be an artist coming into a space that isn't necessarily inhabited with artists and be that creative lens that's able to reflect back hey what if we tried something different which is essentially yeah what we're doing too right so <laughs> hey why don't we try something different <laughs> hey why don't we try something different? hey, wh- hey wouldn't it be cool dot, dot, dot. That, it's nice to play, be at a place like that yeah absolutely yeah. wow so we're talking about molly hassler who is an mm-hmm. interdisciplinary artist often embracing collaboration and primarily using drawing and fibers techniques mind the complex relation between representation and identity as a queer person in the Midwest. Molly is a 2020 recipient of the Vermont Studio Center Residency Merit Grant, as well as a suitcase grant that year. Uh, they've shown their work in exhibitions, including the Ortega E. Gasset projects in Brooklyn, New York, the Jackson Denzel Art Center in Hastings, Nebraska, as well as local gatherings, galleries, as well as local galleries. Molly is currently working as a teaching artist in residence with Linden Sculpture Garden and carries out multiple community-based projects in the Milwaukee Public Schools. And most recently, Tab, the emerging artist uh, for 2022 of the Mary Noel Fund. After the break, let's meet Molly Hassel. Hey, Molly. Thank you so much for joining us today. How's it going? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Well, you're joining us on a busy morning with many speaking engagements, it sounds like. So we appreciate you taking the time to visit with us here um, and learn more about your journey. Um, You've had some pretty pretty notable wins, I would say, recently um, with uh, securing a Mary Noel Fellowship. So we'd love to hear more about that. Um, But more than that, just kind of dive into your journey as an artist here in Milwaukee. And I also uh, got to say that that on yeah. the on the Imagine side, this feels like th- this has been eons in the making because I, I feel like we've been trying to schedule you for for, for a bit, <laughs> and and so I'm super excited to to have uh, this time to, to to visit with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, um, Imagine Milwaukee is super cool, so I'm glad to be here. So you know, the question we normally start interviews with is uh, inviting you to dig back maybe recently or maybe really far back in your history and, and tell us about a time when an arts and cultural experience really had a deep impact on you. Sure. Well, I read a lot, um, all different types of things, but I especially love um, fiction novels. And I'm, I just started uh, working as an administrative assistant and then also a teaching artist at Woodland Pattern. So I'm trying to also um, start reading some poetry, but I read a book at the beginning of this year called um, Johnny Appleseed by Joshua Whitehead. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about this book um, in relation to my work like the last few months. Um, I just kind of keep coming back to it. Um, mm-hmm. It has just, it has everything, but <laughs> it has a really good, LGBT narrative that sort of goes back and forth between um, the main character's home um, of the of the reservation, which is um, in a in a rural community, obviously, um, and then going back and forth um, as a queer person in between rural and urban settings. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of. Um, a book or a piece of media that I've just been like really loving lately and has really impacted me. Hmm. You know, I saw on your website that you were, you just got a, a, a rural, re, you got, you were one of the re, rural regenerate, I can't say it, rural regenerator uh, the, the fellows or, or, or recipients from, from Springboard for the Arts. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that project? 
because it sounds like it sounds like it's a little bit kind of like falls in that kind of realm that you just talked about, right? This sort of like how do we yeah. how do we kind of re re inspire not re inspire but, but reinvigorate rural areas and, and 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 kind of make those connections between the the back and forth. Sure. Yeah, I did just receive um, this summer uh, the Rural Regenerator Fellowship. It is a, it's kind of a tongue twister, yeah. Rural Regenerator <laughs> Fellowship. Um, yeah, this summer, and it's a two-year-long uh, fellowship. Wow. So um, that's really awesome. So I've been doing a lot of um, sort of, I'm in a phase of research and, um, and reading and planning um, for a few different projects, um, but in uh, in a lot of my work, it's not necessarily, it's called a, a regenerator fellowship, um, but um, I kind of feel as a person that grew up in a small town and now lives primarily in an urban environment as a queer person that, um, queer people and then also working class people have have all the tools that we need to <laughs> make and create uh, what we want um, out of the world. And so um, I really look at my opportunity, both with the Knoll and the Rural Regeneration Fellowship. Um, my role as an artist is maybe just to like enhance the community's capacity to care for itself instead of like me coming out um, or really coming in to any community as an artist thinking I can fix any one thing or multiple problems by myself. Um, but that's a new way of looking at it um, from reading books like Johnny Appleseed and also from learning from my cohort in that fellowship um, specifically. I think there are maybe 10 or 15 artists um, from all over small towns in the Midwest. So that's been really yeah. cool. I'm curious. So you mostly live in Milwaukee, but it sounds like you're also doing work in Watertown. Is that where you're from originally? Or so, yeah. Yeah. What is being part of this program meant to? reconnecting with Watertown in a different way or did you never really lose touch like to, I'm curious if this if you know an opportunity like this fellowship in particular has kind of brought you to some sort of new light with your relationship with Watertown as a place you know yeah it's definitely a little odd I'm I also want to be transparent that I'm at the beginning stages of I'm not uh actively doing any one or two specific projects but mm -hmm. um it's yeah definitely um it's definitely a little weird it's nice because um i'm starting to think of uh different community engaged projects in watertown and it's been helpful for me to as a um a person who grew up queer in a small town to uh, re-enter that space on my terms through mm -hmm. my artwork yeah. Um, yeah. and be able to come and go as I please. Um, but I also hold my childhood uh, really dear to me. And I think that um, the community I have, the queer community I have in Milwaukee and the family and friends that I grew up with in Watertown have more similarities um, mm. in the way we develop family and the way we uh, are working class people <laughs> than mm. um, maybe both gr both groups think or maybe they do already think that and um, I just want to I just want to bond <laughs> um, with uh, both communities about yeah. that or maybe um, have them talk to each other in some way yeah. but it's definitely been um, it's been a bit of an odd um, uh, way of thinking about my work and also just about my life <laughs> you know I, I want to go back to something you said earlier which I I think it's so beautiful, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the quote, but it was something about like I want to help. 
not I want to help, but I want to work with communities to to help them know that they have all the tools they need to to create what they want. That is just so incredible, right? Like this idea that like your 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 work is about sort of inspiring the connections between people and communities to be able to create the things that they need and they want with the stuff and the inherent genius they have in their own communities. Is that a is that something that you sort of developed into your your emerging career? Or is that something you always had kind of like, you know, coming out of coming out of school? Or is, is, did like, did somebody like teach that to you? Or did you was that sort of something in your heart <laughs> this whole time? Um, I would say a little bit of both. Hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely learned a lot of that from school. Uh, fine art and community art sure. can be very at odds um, most, if not all of the time. Um, and both are um, can be really both are in capitalism we live in reality um but yeah I would say it's something I learned from school I think a lot of artists and I've had some great experiences working in communities too where I went in and I thought I I was gonna do like a certain thing and like it was gonna be my cool thing as an artist and it's not it wasn't what um it wasn't what that specific community needed or wanted or asked for. <laughs> um, and it um, it was a uh, maybe not a failure because I learned from it, but it was not a success either. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's definitely I have had really great mentors, um, Raul Deal and Ann Basting and Josie Osborne and Kim Kosher. Um, a lot of working artists from UWM that definitely gave me a lot of that language, but um, I've had a lot of experiences in that arena that have helped me learn. And then also, I think kind of the last few years and also how I'm positioned in community has, um, I mean, I'm just, I sort of feel like if 2020 or the pandemic or if any of um, this, the sort of uprisings that have happened in the last few years have not made you a community artist, then I'm not really sure uh, what will. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, a combination, I think. Well, congratulations on on being recognized uh, in the emerging artist category. I think sort of the talking about the the rural regenerator fellowship, and then obviously the Mary Noel fellowship this last year. Um, what is you've had a pretty incredible, you know, sort of year of of, of these sort of recognitions. What what is it meant to you to to have been recognized in these ways? Um. Well, I mean, it feels really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, That's I right. I'm humbled, but I won't be bashful. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's great. Um, awesome. I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I, You know, as an artist, you're just applying for things every year, like every time it comes around. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, I feel really grateful because... Um, I'm getting to say no to a lot of things that I would have had to say yes to in order to like, you know, pay the bills, um, and really just focus on these sort of, I've been working on like sort of two core projects. They're like sister projects, uh, for the last few years now, and they've just been moving at a snail's pace, which is totally fine. Um, but now I can be like, no, I don't actually need to take that, um, underpaid gig. I just want to focus on this for like, I want to have an intense making session for the next three or four weeks and then pull back and revisit. And so it's been, really meaningful to me to be afforded the the time um the time to make all these 
um, these sort of judgment calls and um, and play in my work. Like, ugh, like I've been having like a vision, you know, for so long of like what I want to do. Um, but when you only have like, you know, a couple hours in a day or a couple hours in a week, you're, it gets very like, okay, I need to finish this thing. I need to finish this thing. I need to finish this thing. Um, where, and the work ends up not being as um, good because <laughs> you're like just a little machine. Yeah. And um, it's been nice to like take a step back and be like, well, what if I tried it this way? Or like, mm-hmm. what if I like used this mistake and like, turned it into something else and that has been really meaningful um to me just the last few months since I since I received the null yeah you know mentioning that these sorts of opportunities you kind of just have to apply year after year and and find the right alignment between maybe what they're looking to support and what you're looking to do I'm curious like entering into the field coming out of school what did that look like? Did you feel like there's an element of trial and error? Is there, you know, how did, how did, how did you begin to approach applying for these things that sound a lot like applying for grants for like for as, as us being a nonprofit, you know, that same sort of like, it's, it's really difficult. So I'm curious if you feel like there's parallels there. Like Lindsay wants to like. get some insight about her own internal state insight. right now. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm not gonna lie, like, it's a drag. Like, um, you just, I, there was a while, there was a stretch, like, um, during, you know, like, deep quarantine, where we, when we weren't leaving our house, like, I was just applying to so many things, and I just got so many rejections to everything. You're like, well, like, maybe this, maybe this ain't it. Like, I don't know, like, maybe this is not the path but um I kind of just uh I kind of just keep my head down and just keep doing it I can't get I try not to read too much into it and also um I kind of just go in knowing (laughs) it kind of feels like a roll of the dice a lot of the times um and exactly like how you said, like I have applied a lot and sometimes it takes the right jury jury, jury or like the right, yeah. just the right people that want to look or the right people that the people that have the same vision as you, um, which is whack <laughs> when <laughs> like you have, like, I feel like I have like a, pretty solid sense of um of just like my what I'm worth what my time is worth and my work is worth Mm -hmm. and when other people don't agree with that that makes me a little upset um but you know I like like you've said I've had a a, I'm on a a little bit of a roll and I'm very very grateful I'm not gonna take it for granted um and I just keep applying always. Hmm. So I'm curious, you talked a little bit about working in community, uh, sometimes through the lens of these sorts of opportunities, like a fellowship and sometimes separate, right? Um, so you've, you've had a lot of roles and hats as an artist and resident in environments like schools and in a retirement community. How did you, how would you describe being in that role, like holding the space as, as an artist in residence in um, a variety of settings? Um, yeah, so I guess the, the major one or the most um, like transformative um, thing for me or that like put me on the path of community-based work was working at um, East Castle Place Retirement Community. And that was through I was a part of the student artists in residence program at UWM. So they had fine artists and musicians and theater artists, um, all students, all living or working in retirement communities. And I did that for two years. And then I ended up being the program coordinator for that program 
through the Center for Community-Based Learning Leadership and Research um, at UWM. So yes, I am. I am very, we're, uh, we are a little bit linked in like the way we have to think about arts um, in terms of like nonprofits and things like that. But um, yeah, just going back to like enhancing a community's capacity to care for itself, that's like sort of the mission statement of um, anytime I go into a community-based project, I don't want to go and, um, and do something that's there or maybe up for a few months and then it's gone. Um, the, I guess an example of the work that I did in that community um, or like a problem I identified yeah. in the community was that there were, they're really siloed, even though they all live in the same building, there's independent living, um, there's memory care or the CBRF, and then there's like a health center and they don't interact with each other, even though there are older adult residents that start an independent living and then move to memory care. And then it can sometimes be that um, independent living residents aren't seeing friends that they used to live with. Um, and that made me, um, that made me sad, but I also understood, like I understood why, like aging is really scary. And so uh, I started a poetry group with a, a friend and resident, Katie Phillips, who was a writer, um, is a writer and, um, we started a poetry group together that continued um, in the memory care unit af long after I was an artist in residence there. And um, Katie continued it for the last probably two to three years, um, which is pretty phenomenal, I think. Yeah. You, so we, we had, um a proposal we're still going to have a proposal, a proposal in with the county to to um capture some money to have um artists and residents at you know um neighborhood groups community organizations and potentially even at the county or, or in institutions of government because we believe that artists have a way to kind of like deal with the the, the operations of or solve problems, right? Or, or like see and feel sort of like how things get weird and then like try to like fix it. Um, that's sort of our belief, but you know, you as somebody who's done it clearly, like how, like what's that experience like as somebody coming in as an artist in residence with like a, a description of things to do, like how does that sort of like manifest itself in a day-to-day -day kind of like, you know, are you like sort of walking the grounds and sort of like, you know, Mm -hmm. interacting with folks like how does that actually happen because I I'm really interested because I want to demystify this for the people who might be listening who are like <laughs> yeah. yeah um yes it does look like that it looks like what it it's terrifying it sounds terrifying and it is terrifying whenever I go into any new situation where I'm working with real life people um there there's an expectation there's expectations of what it means to be an artist and um, that can be really scary, but it just looks like talking to people. <laughs> um, and it also looks like a lot of watching and listening. It doesn't look like anything very exciting yeah. until there's something <laughs> like at, in the last two or three months of this yeah. whatever long-term project like um that's yeah that's what I would say it looks like for that specific um residency I was in the community in the community for a year I would go multiple times a week and have mm. just lunch with residents I was trying to make friends I was making friends that were 60 70 80 90 years old and like figuring it out I joined the choir um there and I went to choir practice every week and I kind of just got 
I got a feel artists have a artists have ways of looking um, that that I was trying to I was just trying to look <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, like figure out the way of looking for that specific community. Do you think that I I, I want I, I want to say regular people, but that's not actually the, the that's not actually the term I want to use. But do, do so the people so some folks who work in these settings, do you think they've just lost the way of looking or a an ability to just look, or or do you think it's just sort of like time and like the grind of like everyday life that that sort of makes it such that people who are not quote unquote artists are or don't have the space time capacity to sort of have that kind of like sensory you know feeling right i think it's the grind of everyday life yeah hmm. um i feel lucky that i get to look the way i do like get yeah. to look into a community the way i do mm-hmm. because um the the employees the directors, the residents, like at places like that, or take even in the school, like setting like the students, the teachers and the administrators also sometimes um, are, are the magic. They're the workers, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing it. They're already all doing it already. Um, and but I do think it's the grind of everyday life and just like the overwhelming amount of, of things to do. <laughs> mm. um, and also like the way things are set up, like even just like a retirement community, the idea of a retirement community in general, like is so like, is a little bit wild to me. Like, um, it's odd that all these different groups of people have to have a separate place to live in the first place. Like, it's like our society, like really, we we created the problem of, of aging, like, or growing old um, so that people had to pay to live somewhere to age like we created the problem so that people have to pay to fix a problem um it's like (laughs) i think and so i think that is um that's that's a really that's a really big problem i'm not quite sure how to fix i'm not sure like artists are are always the most equipped to fix like that big of a problem but um I, I try to think about things like that as well. Um, and not just like dress it up in um, like a cool art project. (laughs) Um, because, because it's really complex. Yeah. You know, I mean, it feels like what you're describing is that there are systems, this is one example, and there are of course, so many other systems that exist, uh, that probably should be completely broken and, and redone or restructured. And in the absence of that sort of like really high level, like big structural change, uh, there is also great value and and space for like innovation and creativity that can help make that system better. Does that, mm-hmm. that sound like kind of resonant? 100%. That's very good language for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm reminded of um, when I was in, in Los Angeles, I was working at the Jewish Federation um, and the um, they obviously have, you know, a, a deep sort of historical value of, of, of honoring their elders, right? And, and so there was a lot of investment to elderly communities. And we had, I worked on one of the first projects in America that invested in kind of this idea of like, can we invest in neighborhoods that have just demographically a lot of elderly folks, right? And they were called naturally occurring retirement communities. So essentially, like if you're aging into your, into your old, your, your, your later years, 
there's a lot of people around like can can you just have people age in their homes build in the supportive systems in their neighborhoods and in their mm -hmm. into their apartments as opposed to moving them someplace and i remember actually seeing the first ever one of the first maps of why they picked this one community and it was almost an artistic rendering right of of like the counties in in Los Angeles and like the 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 different colors of the pockets of people above certain ages and you could see that in this one pocket in West Hollywood is like the brightest red right and it's like well that's obviously the place and like it's sort of one of those ways right that arts in some ways like a creative graphical representation of a thing can sort of tell a story that almost you know, you can read those words, but it's not the same, right, as being like, oh, I, I understand, like, this is my neighborhood. And I also understand that there are, you know, 90% of people are over 90. And so we should or over 80. And we should, you know, so yeah, it's it's a, I think there there, there are like practical ways where, where artists mm -hmm. sort of can tell that story. And then there's a sort of more ephemeral way, right, that you sort of just talked about, about the, the kind of like, feeling it's that bridge between the ephemeral and the practical that that, that, that really gets hopefully to that systems change that Lindsay was talking about. Yeah, artists can physically manifest those ideas right. for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. So speaking of physically manifesting, how would you describe <laughs> the the experience of actually being an artist in Milwaukee? I mean, we have we we as at Imagine, right, sort of get a lot of input from from artists about what their experience is like. We did that study this last year of of, um, of five hundred artists and creators here in town. But now we now we can talk to someone. Um, what is your experience? What's that experience like? Oh, that's such a big question. But <laughs> I mean, I think I love it. <laughs> um, I I love Milwaukee. I think it's a good place to be an artist. Um, I think the the art community here is like kind of um, is kind of it's a, like amazing. But there are a lot of like cool like little sort of DIY um, pop up things and spaces that. Um, that are really amazing, but it also makes it like, it can feel kind of fleeting sometimes, mm. um, which I think is okay. I'm not necessarily sure like what I prefer is like, if I prefer like some long standing like art institution yeah. um, stuff or that I have to break into or like some, some things that I can like pop into and say like, oh, hey, I do that too. Um, yeah so i i i do i do really love <laughs> i i really love milwaukee and um i i feel really supported and cared for in the art community here what do you think that that uh that diy nature comes from where do you think that comes from um i think it's a combination of I think there are a lot of uh, like craftspeople here, um, and also a lot. There are spaces that are really affordable. <laughs> um, that I'm thinking of. Uh, my my friends started this space, um, Yours Truly Studio. I don't know if you've heard of it. You should talk to them too. But um, it's a ceramics studio on um, the 700 block of Center Street in River West. And they have uh, like, it's half ceramic studio and half art gallery. And um, yeah, on sort of like a, a membership basis for the studio part. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there are physical spaces in Milwaukee that are pretty accessible. I think you can live, you can afford to live here and you can afford um, a small space or you can um, afford to even rent an outdoor space or like do something like the River West 24 or like um, something like that that maybe is not as 
easy to do in a, a bigger or smaller place. Like I think we're right in the middle yeah. um, uh, that makes it easier um, yeah. and fun to do things like that. So this is a this is a question specially suggested by um, our public ally Cindy Ho, <laughs> who is himself an emerging artist, and so he was curious if you could share a little bit about um, if you do anything differently, like earlier in your career, coming out of coming out of college, would you have changed anything? And we we spent a lot of time talking about like kind of the, the there's an element of grind of like trying, possibly failing, trying again, but. Is there anything in looking back that you feel like you would advise perhaps a young recent college graduate uh, to do, to for sure do or to not do or whatever? Yeah, um, I, it, everybody is their own person, mm-hmm. but I think getting us, I like got a, a studio right away, mm-hmm. whether it's like in your house or, um, a separate space like I just I was like I don't want to have I needed something right away that was like this is for me this is my making space this is my staring at the ceiling fan thinking about some stuff space and Mm -hmm. that was really helpful and then also like there were times where I'm not sure if anybody explicitly said this to me, but I also feel like there were a couple people that explicitly said this to me <laughs> that I I had like one foot in community art and one foot in fine art. And I was like, felt like I was being told that I had to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might not be the exact like struggle mm-hmm. for everybody, but um I basically said no I'm not gonna pick or like I'm gonna merge the two it's really hard to do and it's hard to do well and like ethically and I struggle with that all the time but I it was what I wanted and so I would just say like Mm. I you should just do what you want (laughs) um and that's like also partially like social media is so um so confusing (laughs) and like there's all there's just so much coming in all the time that um I would say like having a dedicated space and like you just gotta do what you think is right um for yeah your practice and um for yourself and the grind is is like a lot but I would have taken some more I would have taken some more rest days um mm-hmm. yeah uh you don't need to be up until like four in the morning like working on art if you don't if you if you don't want to yeah yeah um yeah mm. can I ask I'm so curious because again it kind of resonates with I think uh our work the the balance between community art and fine art and you mentioned that it can be difficult to feel like you're doing both and also justice and maybe well sorry david david's like really excited about this question too but but i wonder how those how kind of having a foot in both worlds which maybe feel separate in a way they shouldn't in the long term but are separate now like how you how those how those worlds how being in both of those worlds helps you maybe or how how you're trying to bridge between the two or if a bridge is possible yeah I'm not sure if I'm really like trying to bridge it for like everybody because I'm not sure that like Mm -hmm. I'm not sure like if I'm just like I'm just not sure I'm smart enough to do that or if I have like the correct like training or whatever but like I'm an artist and I just can't like separate like myself from like the community or from being an artist or from being like queer and trans like Mm -hmm. I they all they I make the I make my fine artwork as 
process for me <laughs> to like get a grasp on my own identity <laughs> and it's very inward it's very like for me and then if somebody wants it in a gallery or if somebody wants it somewhere like that's cool mm-hmm. but it's a really internal intimate process and then mm-hmm. I go through I go through that inward stuff and then it make it just makes sense to f- turn it outward or like bring other people in because that's what I need as that's what I need as a human so maybe it's also selfish like like I just think queer people and working class people need each other um I need people so if if that is if that's what's coming through in my art um it's because that's what's coming through like in in my spirit and in my um, <laughs> the art of being a, a real life person in the world. And so, and like making do with what I have um, as a queer person living in the Midwest. And so it all, it all infiltrates the work. And um, yeah. I think that's just how they're together. I think they're always going to be together for me. Mm-hmm because I can't separate it, but maybe some people can, and maybe that's how some people work best. And then some people just want Mm -hmm. to work in the community and some people just want to make fine art and that's for them. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that's how I come to being in both at the same time, because I can't separate all my identities and can't separate all my um, practices either. Sometimes I really, sure wish I could like it would it might be easier honestly or like less painful or like less confusing (laughs) um but that's how it that's just how it is it's just how it comes to be I don't know if that that was a lot. I'm like, that was great. I'm that like, was... whoa, am I in therapy right now? Um, but um, yeah, that was a lot. I hope that answers your question. I, I feel like you you've dropped yeah. through through this interview just a, a bunch of different like uh, uh, just like mind bombs uh, that I'm just still, still trying to like. <laughs> you're welcome david that's great i'm like maybe i'm not in therapy maybe y'all are in therapy (laughs) it's part of why we do this (laughs) yeah um i'm just kidding um cool well i'm glad (laughs) so as you as you may know uh we have the the incredible power so if you have the power of of sort of blowing our minds with with your with your insights about your process uh, we have the power of granting our guests uh, the ability to become the uh, Lindsay doesn't like this anymore, but the czar of arts and culture. Um, unfortunately, it has a cancelable name um, given uh-huh. this, given this mo- right. current moment that we're in. Yeah. The other problem is that the power only lasts until the end of the episode, and since this is the last question, you only have whatever proclamation you get or you make uh, will only be in power for the last like two or three minutes. So uh-huh. don't waste your time. You uh-huh. have two minutes to make a proclamation. If you could change anything about Milwaukee's arts and culture scene, what would it be? You know, I have no idea, but like the first thing that came to my mind was just like free stuff. Like I, I just, which I know is like, like it's, I only have two minutes. So maybe, maybe everybody's studio is free for the next two minutes. (laughs) Um, But yeah free free stuff for artists free stuff for um workers and craftspeople um free stuff for queer people I'm like I don't know free stuff for everybody (laughs) um yeah so I guess that is that's my policy (laughs) I love it you you sort of started the episode talking about the grind of capitalism and then now we're like at free stuff we've 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 gone the whole gamut that's incredible yeah free stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so thank you so much for uh, joining us today before before we leave i uh, just want to make sure that um you have a moment to tell our listeners where to find you and where to potentially find uh a, a, your uh, your new nft or something 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. There we go. Oh. There we go. I'm gonna um, ignore that. Um, <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at Molly Hassler. It's just my name, um, and that's probably it. I have a website, um, MollyHassler.com, um, but Instagram is probably the best way to look at my stuff or look at what I'm doing. But I am also taking some really deep. I'm taking some deep tissue breaks off of Instagram um, now that I I don't feel like my life and my money is like hmm. so dependent on on it anymore. But that is where people can find me. Mm. Or if you just want to hang out, you can Instagram message me. <laughs> if you, if I blew every anybody else's mind in the podcast, I'm like just let me. I'm like tell me. I love I love I love it when people tell me I'm great. Awesome. <laughs> DMs are open. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I'm gonna so- get a bunch of DMs and be like, oh no, no, <laughs> oh no, I'm an introvert. I lied. <laughs> Gotta go back to yeah, protecting your time. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Molly. It was a delight to talk with you. Yeah. This was fun. Thank you so much. Is our pod now a therapy session unofficially? Is that is imagine that this therapy like session? Molly? Yeah. We we are going to we're, we're gonna um, we're gonna compete with uh, with that lady who brings on like all the couples. Is that a podcast you're referring to? Yeah, there's a there's a lady. Uh, Tammy listens to it. There's a lady who who like who like does couples therapy on a podcast. There are actually a couple of really good therapy podcasts. Apparently, I'm sure there are. I want to clarify: we are unlicensed, and we can't we can't call ourselves imagine this therapy podcast. We we cannot. That's right. Quite although the same way. although is it time to extend the the podcast empire to Tammy? She can start a, a podcast. <laughs> I, sounds like nepotism, David. It sounds like nepotism. <laughs> is that the next? Is that the next podcast we want to add to the add to the? Group? The next one. That's right. Yeah. What do you think? Now Tammy has to listen to this episode. What do you think Tammy's therapy podcast would be about specifically? What's her specialty? I think something about bridging spirit and 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 science. Ooh. Yeah. Well, if that yeah. continues on our theme of bridging potentially disparate things that came up in the that's episode. Right. That's so, right. Or or white lady yeah. with crystals. White lady. That that's the name of it. It is about bridging the spirit and science. <laughs> it's just white lady with crystals. Yeah. Oh, I should have brought Tammy a crystal on my recent journey to Salem. Uh, oh, there, there's there probably a lot, a lot of, of energy crystals. in those crystals. Yeah. There were yeah. a lot. I did buy I did actually buy like a stone that's like amethyst, some sort of amethyst. Yeah, it's supposed can to have you feel some sort the, of properties. Can you feel the, the pulsing in the amethyst? Well, given that I forget what bag I've left it in coming back, Probably no, not. no, <laughs> but I, I will, I will revisit it after this conversation. You, you strike me as somebody who who has like very guarded energy. Oh boy, this is not an actual therapy session. <laughs> well, <laughs> coming back to it, that was really incredible. Uh, what a fun conversation with Molly. <laughs> You know, the thing that really struck me, though, uh, and this is like, uh, this is a, uh, like, not, 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 not a, not a jokey take, but like, it really reminded me of that, of that quote, uh, that Ezra Pound quote about how artists are the antenna of society, right? They sort of feel things out in the, yeah. out in the world, mm-hmm. and they sort of send back the, the signals to the, to the rest of the corpus, to the rest of the body. And mm-hmm. it, it sort of got that from, from, from Molly, uh, as, mm-hmm. as, as they were talking about, you know, what it was like to, to mm-hmm. kind of be in community reflecting back, making friends, doing all that, doing the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Not unlike what we're trying to do. Not unlike what we're trying to do. That's That's right. right. Well, more therapy podcast conversations to be continued, but you know who doesn't have guarded energy, David? Who, Lindsay? Probably our listeners. Probably. Probably. Maybe one or two. (laughs) If, If you feel like that describes you, please reach out. Let's be friends. But thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review, or contact us directly at pod at imaginemke.org. 
Imagine This Podcast is a team effort produced, edited, and hosted by MacArthur Antigua, David Lee, and Lindsay Sheridan, and is the flagship of the Imagine MKE Podcast Network. Our theme was written and produced by Bobby Drake. Catch all the latest from Imagine MKE. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Imagine underscore MKE or at Facebook or LinkedIn, Imagine Space MKE. Thanks again. And we will catch catch you next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. (laughs) When Rowan Garnett, the director of IDEA from the Milwaukee Public Museum, joins us. See you then. Awesome. So quickly, before Lindsay's got to go, any recording about why um, why oh, no. we have such bad car luck on the week of 414? Oof. Why are you still recording this? You're trying this to is, tempt, this, the, tempt is, the demons that haunt us? This is a uh, this is fun overrun. This is Easter egg. So for those that are listening at home, uh, the Imagine staff tends to have very bad luck the week of 414 in the terms of their With our cars. Automobiles. So last I want to say we might have a bit of a confirmation bias. Like, have people had car issues outside of 414 day? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Well, Mac, Mac, your catalytic well, converter went, but I mean, not like that's not true. Like not things that have happened. Like, yeah. oh, well, yes. So just to say, um, uh, our public ally, Cindy, uh, experienced uh, car troubles yesterday on four and four day. So when we record this, I'm so, telling yeah, you, this is like some Final Destination stuff coming for us. Oh, uh, I don't know if I use that. Bye. David, go back to the guarded energy thing. Go back to the guarded energy. <laughs> this well, crystal will bring us peace and no further car uh, woes. Excellent. Um, Whatever. No one got in a car car accident this year. That's all we can ask for, really. So improvement. We, improvement. we had two years in a row of car accidents the weekend before four and four day. And now we don't. We broke the curse. Cindy just had a flat tire. So. I think we're good now. I next year, next year we'll just have like some sort of mild auto, <laughs> you know, thing. Like, oh my, somebody my ran filter, out of gas. My filter doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. Something like, yeah. Oh, whoever you whoever bought that parts. monkey's paw, you gotta you gotta put it back. You gotta put it back in. The <laughs> Is that the uh, tiki torch, the tiki thing yeah. in the Brady Bunch? From the Brady Bunch, that's right. The tiki. The tiki. There we go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, and you guys did the post. Yes. Mm-hmm.